I V M. Welcome to the Equity Sahiya podcast with Mozilla Oswal Asset Management Company. This podcast will delve into the investment insights and philosophies of Mozilla Oswal Asset Management Company and speak about the frameworks used by them to assess various sectors for investment. Folks, welcome to the show. Today is a blockbuster episode. I have not one but two guests. This is the Investor Playbook. We're taking a lot of questions. From listeners and my guests today, Shreelunkar, senior VP at Motila Loswal Asset Management Company, and a bonus guest in the form of Ashish Somaya, CEO at Motila Loswal Asset Management Company. Ashish, welcome to the show. Shrey, welcome to the show. Thank you both of you all for doing this for us. We have a whole bunch of questions that our listeners, uh, people on social media, have asked to answer. You know, because when you invest in equities, it's so much more than just finding the right stock or right mutual fund. There are so many more questions now. Okay, so we're going to go through all these questions. There are about seven, eight of them. Feel free to you know to just add in your thoughts the way it goes. We're just going to have a nice, free-flowing conversation. Shreya, I'm going to start with the very first one. I think this question, in many ways, it's my own question. I think this is what people should probably give some thought over instead of just blindly you know just starting and saying that I'll buy this stock today or I'll sell that stock tomorrow. I think that. The starting point for any investment in equities for the long term, and I'm clearly stating that for the long term, should be built with a framework. The framework includes expectations and a certain philosophy. Now, whether you want to follow the value school of thought or growth or momentum or whatever, but I want to start with this one. So, how does one build this investment framework or philosophy in investing in equities? So, one of the most uh, basic rule which Ironically, becomes a cardinal rule. Also, is that you got to invest in what you understand. So, I think many times we try to understand too many things, and in the process, you start understanding much less of everything. So, first thing first, you got to understand yourself and figure out what works for you. Second, you know there are these labelings that happens of value investing, growth investing, you alluded to momentum investing, technical investing, technical analysis and based investing. All are relevant forms. But you got to choose a style which uh, you feel comfortable with, and how you typically discover what style suits you is actually till the time you're not in the toughest time or in the darkest hour, you got to be very comfortable with your style. So if I'm a value investor, and uh, I'm very very comfortable in 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 a time when you know stock markets are a bad word, that means that is my style. So bottom line is when you understand what you're doing. your conviction of sustaining drawdowns or sus- sustaining a stock market crash and still sleep in peace i think that is the very basic litmus test that it should pass and then you start discovering yourself and that is why people say that with every bad phase an investor actually grows in stature mm. and and the result i mean the cause is this and the result is that essentially what happens is you got to just figure out second is like investing itself has evolved in many ways right earlier investing was all about information arbitrage who got the annual report first in his hands mm. and who analyzed that oh this company is trading at below the net asset value uh, that was genuine you know ben graham value investing zone at that point of time there was an information arbitrage which you can you can easily capitalize on that was true cigar butt as they call or you know true value investing today whether your growth or whatever see at the end of the day value is is the way you look at it each one of us have a very different way of assessing value in a company and uh, and measuring it also 
सो इवन अ ग्रोथ इन्वेस्टर इज फाइंडिंग वैल्यू इन ग्रोथ इवन अ वैल्यू इन्वेस्टर इज समे गोन मेक मनी आउट ऑफ ग्रोथ ओनली इवेंचुअली एंड सो इट रियली डजेंट matter whether you're a value investor or growth investor as much as it matters is knowing yourself and knowing what works for you and knowing what will let you still keep a faith in equities or the stocks that you invested in in the bad time yeah ashish reminds me of that mike tyson quote na everyone's got a plan b till they get punched in the face what do you absolutely. think absolutely in fact i'll take off on uh, what shrey said uh, yeah. you know that uh, look at it the other way the stock doesn't know you're calling it a value stock or a growth <laughs> stock you know you better know what you're actually looking for and you know what's your hypothesis uh, before even you step out to do what you thought you will do and the other important point is you know ultimately guys like us are managing you know portfolios mutual funds and we are ultimately reaching out to uh, end investors so it's very important for even them to know uh what's the process behind what we are trying to do because you know it's not that there is any process which will work through all market market cycles there are certain phases which suit a certain process and there are certain phases which don't suit a certain uh, process and ultimately every client is not going to give all their money to us so even clients will have style diversity in their portfolios but what's important is that they should know what we are doing and we should also be able to tell them that in which circumstances this works out and in what circumstances it doesn't work out okay so once i have identified my framework my philosophy whatever that might be the next question obviously then is how do i identify stocks when in india i know how many sectors are there if you slice and dice as per large cap mid cap that is one more way of looking at stocks but you know what is the starting criteria what is the way that i should be thinking about it you know stocks individual stocks or sectors or what this is like it's it's this big muddle in my head there are obviously just simple simplistically put there are two approaches a top down and a bottom up i guess there is no need to choose one over the other because you can really might as well practice both of it very effectively mm. so what simplistically a top down structure means is where you define what would be those defining changes or defining emergence of trends that you will see happening as we move from a underdeveloped to a developing to a developed status as a country and you think 10 years you think 15 years and you start hypothesizing that okay and then you you take a lot of learning from the global experiences as well so if something has happened in china 50 40 15 14 13 16 years ago probably that's what will happen in india maybe 15 16 years later yeah. and then you prepare for it from today you see what will give you that place so that is a one framework of thinking top down the second framework of thinking bottom up is that this is a company who has great moats today and they are so agile that probably their moats can actually expand into other fields and they can adapt better with the changing time mm. so maybe i don't know how this industry is going to evolve after 15 years mm. but i know this management is adapt and agile enough mm. to to take advantage of the situation okay just a note for the folks that if you want to listen to more in depth analysis of sectors in india listen to the previous episodes of equity sahi shreyas talked about a whole lot of sectors uh, banking insurance infra cap goods pharma consumer all of them so you want to just check out those episodes Ashish, one more way of asking this question, the same one that I asked to Shrey, is essentially that one question that all of us in the market start our day with: "What do I feel?" The same that how, so you know how for someone who's interested in holding on to equities for the long term, which I think all of us should be, what is this deal? How do you look at this stock selection thing? Is it something that should you know keep everyone awake at night? Ki just you know choose karo and then that's it. No, I think that uh, ideally it's not supposed to keep you awake at night uh, because we are out here talking about investing. We are not talk- talking about trading. Uh, so let's uh, isolate that uh, in the first place 
the second important thing is that a lot of people really look at stock as a stock but ultimately like shrey described we are buying a business and uh, you know i have the opportunity of meeting a lot of investors and a lot of our investors are actually high net worth or affluent people and very often i ask them this question that you know in your business if i tell you that uh, how much time will it take you to enhance your profit margin by 5% without compromising the volume mm. uh, so most people tell me four quarters eight quarters three years so i say that when you are investing in the stock market and you are buying businesses of other people uh, how much time do you think it takes them to uh, manage certain uh, parameters mm. and then that sets them thinking so i say that you know look so so for your business you are very clear that it takes you year, you know quarters and years to achieve targets but when you invest in somebody else's business you want to check every morning uh, what <laughs> has changed yeah so every morning only the price changes um, the underlying business is yeah. completely different okay now i've got my framework right i've got my stocks right valuation nahi jam raha hai boss the whole thing about valuation right because i mean i don't know how right or wrong this obsession is it just i i just want to get into this entire valuation thing because it's also related to the timing of buying a lot of people are obsessed with getting the timing of the decision right okay you've done a lot of interesting analysis out there let's just go into this valuations are valuations relevant answer is 100% yes i don't think so any investor will say that valuations don't matter however there is a nuance to it because valuation itself is a very wide topic uh, so i will just keep the comments uh limited to what matters for the show right now because if we are talking about long term investing and if we are honest and we are walking the talk of actually doing long term investing the interesting part to note is valuations start losing relevance as the investment horizon expands mm. and uh, there is enough data there is enough analysis that has that is out there we ourselves have done a wealth creation study and you know studying this aspect in depth and uh, the outcomes are there very detailed but you know one or two you know for the purpose of this podcast what may be worth mentioning is that if you look at nifty in the last 5 years we've given the same returns as we've given in the last 15 years very broadly speaking but in the last 5 years 70% of those returns have come from re-rating which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. valuations expanding not the earnings it's not earning driven yeah. it's valuation driven however if you look at the last 15 years of the same nifty only 30% of the returns has come from valuations wow whereas 70% of the returns have come and now if you were to look at the same data mm. over 30 years longer time a longer time frame yeah, yeah. only 10% of the returns mm. would have fluctuated because of you getting your timing right mm. and you know the other part is what happens is invariably in the attempt of timing it is actually your landing up trading also because what happens uh-huh. is when you're trying to time to fine you will get it right half of the times mm. you will not get it right the remaining half of the time so eventually it ends up becoming a zero sum game mm. Mm. more often than not mm. there will be some who will get more lucky there will be some who will get more unlucky also yeah. Yeah. so what happens is even if you were to choose the top 150 stocks or top 10 stocks out of those 150 stocks with the benefit complete benefit of hindsight and you would have invested 15 years ago even those stocks have gone through 40-50% drawdowns and you would have timed it but to time it every time you got to be lucky or you got to be literally <laughs> very close to God yeah. for him to come and whisper it in your ear yeah. but if you get out of it yeah. and you're not able to get in at the right time mm. you would have missed what lies ahead okay 
folks uh, small note again she just spoke about the well creation studies that motheral oswald does they've done this for what for more than 20 years started in 1996 yes. yeah so you want to just go to the website and have a look at the well creation studies each and every one of them are available in the pdf format available for download we've also done two episodes with shrinath mithundaya talking about uh, the well creation studies ashish do you get asked as often sir aapne ye stock kyun liya iska to valuation itna bada you know why do you want to buy expensive stocks so what's your perspective on this well, we obviously we do get asked a lot and uh, last two years all the more because uh, irrespective of what strategy you follow one of the challenges of the last two years has been that uh, you know 2017 18 people made a lot of return and 2018 19 it's practically nothing yeah. so now you are you know in two years you practically not made uh, too much and in hindsight everything will look like uh, you know where was the value and you know those kind of questions but i think that uh, when you speak about valuations it's there's no simple answer it's very very nuanced like shreya has already mentioned there are a lot of moving parts most important one being what is your holding period and over that holding period what kind of growth trajectory the company is going to and when you enter how much of that is baked in so you know sometimes you might realize that okay maybe couple of years is baked in but and you will not be able to price it to perfection and if your holding period is longer then you will be able to the second thing to keep in mind is that a lot of folklore of the stock markets uh, all the folklore is actually about saying that you know if you had bought this stock in its ipo then this is what yeah, we yeah, 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 stuff yeah, yeah. so all the folklore is all about long term investing and buying and holding on to great companies and then i really struggle to reconcile when somebody asks me last year you bought that stock at this <laughs> price so then i tell them that you know somewhere you need to reconcile what you forward on whatsapp and email <laughs> and facebook versus what you actually practice you know you need to reconcile it a little bit and you need to give us more time to demonstrate what we are actually trying to achieve yeah and not to stretch a lot but i'll just give you one last example sure, please you know couple of years back and this is not a recommendation we don't have it in our portfolios shri doesn't have it in the portfolio couple of years back you know this very famous company got listed mm. the owner of dmart that is avenue supermarts mm. you know why i am taking this example is because there is a very famous analyst who wrote a report on this company okay it became so famous that in one of the pink papers it got covered acha and you know being in the field you know that mm. on any given day hundreds of reports are written by very brilliant Correct. analysts yeah. all of them don't come in the pink papers this report came in the pink paper because this gentleman actually said that yes it looks expensive right now but he made some projection of 2027 and said that in 10 years it will make a lot of money ah his view his view we are not debating yeah, yeah that's not it but why it came in the pink paper is because it was panned like nobody's business it's like ah. you know when there is a bull market you guys write anything <laughs> how can you write a report with 10 year uh. earning projection what do you mean it is expensive it is expensive how can you write 10 years it will make money so that set me thinking that in 1995 somebody dared to write such a report on you know hdfc bank or infosys or whatever it is pretty jayega wo bhi he would have been panned the same yeah. way but in 2005 we don't know uh-huh. so that actually made me think that what is the biggest mistake of this report what is so wrong with this report and then i realized is that you know how dare you make a 10 year report and send it into a market where people can't think beyond next quarter or one year i mean the market works on one year forward we all know it correct right yeah so i think that's the problem i think the market my net learning is that the whole market works on one year forward as a thought process mm. and it has no space for anybody to come and even say mm. that you know look please pardon the valuation for a year 
I'm looking at much beyond. Yeah. And I don't know whether I'll be able to time the entry perfectly or not. Yeah. So you need to give that much space to an investor. That's the point. Exactly. I think valuations are what? Just, I mean, they, they're just two factors out there. The actual multiple that you're giving and the earnings growth and no stock can, they, they can't be a diversion between the two forever. So you're saying something. So also what happens is, is the same point, right? At the end of the day, if you know your subject and if you know yourself and if you've done enough depth, you've gone to the enough depths of the businesses and the nuances, you will tide a problem as well as a promoter will tide the problem. Ah, because you're an owner of the business. Because you are, you actually, when you, when you invest in equity, when you invest in stocks, you become a co-owner of the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to have the same level of belief and the same level of confidence hmm. in your own self hmm. and your own ability to be doing it. Because you know, valuation is such a subject that today, most of the valuable companies globally are loss making. It's the venture capital and the private equity money mm. that just keeps funding those losses. Mm. But they are the most valuable companies with the hope that they will make money 10 years, 5, 15 years, 20 years down the line. Mm. But so valuation is a concept which is uh, genuinely beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder. For someone, a PE of 60 will be cheap and for someone, a PE of 5 will be cheap. A metal stock at the at the PE of 20 will look extremely expensive, but a FMCG stock at a multiple of 20 will look extremely cheap. So it is understanding yourself, what works for you, and what works for you is dependent upon how long you hold a stock. And in that journey, there will be times when the stock will be down 50%, 60%. But at that point of time, it's your conviction at that moment, at that hour, that will determine are you going to benefit out of long-term power of compounding mm. or is it just going to be a talk or, or are you going to be able to walk the talk? Yeah, you're going to get to the power of compounding later on in the show. We are right now going to take a small break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Shiladitya. And I'm Amit Doshi. And we host Shunya One. It's a really fun podcast where we talk to some of the best entrepreneurs in the country. Yes, talking about everything from their startup challenges to what they're building and all the future of technology right here. So catch us on the IBM podcast website app or wherever you listen to your podcast from. And welcome back to the Equity Sahih podcast. My guest, Shailunkar and Achi Sumaya. In the first part, we spoke about a lot of stuff on investment framework, identifying stocks, valuation. I'm going to just take this a few more questions from our listeners before we wrap up the show. Shrey, how do I time and size my investment? The timing part, I think we probably covered uh, in the valuation bit. But this entire thing of size, right? Because I've always struggled with this. I'm, should my portfolio have five stocks, 10 stocks, 15 stocks, 30 stocks, 500 stocks? I don't know. You're a fund manager. You know how many stocks are there in in your portfolio. So, is there an ideal number or how should I be looking at this? Theory seems to suggest that uh, up to a particular point of time, uh, adding extra stock into your portfolio optimally diversifies the portfolio. But beyond that threshold, every addition has a far marginal or far lesser utility of diversification that you derive. Now, the problem is these theories can be scientifically derived in a developed market because there is time series to it. In India, still, time series is yet to come. Time series is 30 years, 40 years, and where you can run stochastic models to figure out scientifically what the right answer is. Uh, and likewise, there are investors globally and in India where they all are successful, even a person who's invested in just one stock to a person who would have invested in 100 stocks, and they still would be successful. So at the end of the day, if you were to just follow a basic thumb rule, it's a two-pointer thumb rule. One is bet the maximum where your maximum conviction is. 
and then let the residual decide how many number of stocks needs to fit that second is allocate according to your risk reward that you understand it's very important to understand risk as well as the reward and because at the end of the day is the ratio that will determine eventually are you a successful investor or not so you determine and allocate more to those stocks that you think where your risk reward is but never make the mistake of thinking that adding a 40th stock to the portfolio is making me diversify some risks away uh, theoretically it just doesn't happen like that so many times it's just simple to keep it simple bet the maximum what you understand the most so if you trust on shivag you your betting odds will be far different than when you are betting on uh, you know boom bamra <laughs> okay ashish uh, in your conversations have you had people come up to you and you know asking this kind of question ki mere paas you know 50 30 20 i've got so many stocks what do i do i mean what is the thinking out there that people have when they buy stocks so so uh, i think the different the experience is very different uh, when you are dealing with individuals or high net worth investors versus with uh, professional managers like shrey or any of the mutual funds guys i think mutual funds or portfolio management guys they have some notion of what they are comfortable with but the interesting experiences are when i meet individual investors and uh, this is not funny but i have even met somebody who had a demat statement running into pages and pages and pages wow it went nearly 2000 items wow uh, yeah so listed so, companies kitne hai sir listed yeah, so <laughs> listed companies are obviously in i think what 6000 6000 yeah, so actively traded about 3000 maybe yeah, yeah actively is 2900 and yeah. uh, some odd number yeah. so uh, so how does one end up with say 500 or 1000 entries right wow it's obviously because you know over the years every ipo maybe you have subscribed to and you know uh, you never got conviction in any one or two but you know you are just kind of uh, spray and pray mm. uh, kind of thought process and then you know so that actually takes away from return potential in a very very big way i think from individual investors perspective as long you should know what you're doing as long as you know what you're doing then it's uh, then it's fine sure uh, but uh, yeah i think professional managers most of them have a notion of what works for them okay you know um, when i look at long term returns they might be at at a certain number when say a distributor or an ad- advisor comes to me with an excel sheet he is also plugging in some number there for my long term returns what should i be prepared with okay because i need to know there is theory of course okay where where you have a certain thing which says that i think it's a risk free rate plus equity risk premium should be your long term equity returns which is all fine so what's your perspective on this at a practical level for me as someone who owns equities for the long term what is a reasonable rate of return that i should probably bake in or expect for the longer term so obviously the theoretical answer is extremely complicated but there is a simple way of looking at things if you follow one simple rule it's largely a thumb of uh, rule of thumb but it works pretty much uh, statistical relevance is very high of this thumb of uh, rule of thumb one is stock returns will track eps growth which is earnings growth of the company and earnings growth of the company will track the economic growth more or less so if if you were to just look at the last 15 years uh in the last 15 years the the nifty 500 which are the top 500 corporates of india which will be again majority of the profit pool lying there in india that would have tracked the gdp growth hmm in so over 15 years the profit growth is to the tune of 14 15% mm. and that's the kind of returns the stocks have also given and that's mm. the kind of growth rate the gdp is also grown mm. the only difference is and which is the more interesting and the nuance part of it is if you split this 15 years in the block of first 5 uh. years and the last 10 years yeah. 
you will see you will understand another economic concept which is the concept of earning multiplier mm. so what happens is economy in general has a bit of momentum aspect to it uh, by that what i mean is that beyond a particular threshold of growth the delta or the multiplier that earnings get because of the gdp growth is far higher mm, mm. and below a particular threshold it works to the opposite that mm. means your earning growth is sub low very very low so as i was speaking over the last 15 years although the overall returns of the gdp which is reflects in this company's earnings growth is about 14 15% and so does the stock returns of 14 15% mm. but when you cut this slice mm. of first 5 years in the last 10 years in the first 5 years our gdp grew at 14% or 15% but our earnings grew 30% wow. which is two times the gdp growth mm. Mm. however in the last 10 years the earnings the gdp is again grown at 14% but our earnings have grown at 6% or 7%. Yeah. It's half of that. So now this is the interesting part, right? So when you look at a long-term time series, it looks so algorithmic. Mm. It just looks extremely simple and algorithmic. But when you live that 15 years in <laughs> each year parcels, yeah. you got to endure this. But that's the good part. That there are times when you will go above the threshold. and that's what we believe that over the next 10 years you will start hitting that part where your economic growth will be 15% because this will be more real gdp and less of inflation and that's why the multiplier that you will have on earnings could be actually more than two times to three two and a half times yeah. so in the next 5 years you can make the gdp can again continue to grow like how it's grown in the last 15 years of at 15% or 14% mm. uh, on a nominal basis which can result into earnings growth upwards of 20 to 25% which means you will make 20 to 25% stock returns as well right ashish do you get asked as often because as as you said this last one year has been tough i think the last few months have also been a little bit tough so yeah. do, do do people throw this thing at you sir mera to fd mujhe itna 7 8 taka de raha hai to main kyun equities mein invest karu so what so what's your point of view on this yeah i mean uh, you know unfortunately for professionals like us the challenge is that there is a lot of hindsight which uh, comes into it because uh, what happens is that uh, in 2014 15 16 uh, everything in mid caps and multi cap looked very very good so in 2017 everybody bought mid cap and multi cap and in 2018 probably just the top nifty stocks or the large cap looks good so now everybody wants to buy just the nifty or the large cap so you know when you buy mid cap after a after a hindsight you know what happens now everybody wants to buy the index or large cap after hindsight and we can forecast probably what is going to <laughs> yeah. uh, happen out there so i think most important thing that people need to keep in mind you know whatever you were discussing which ray about certain numbers now let us say that you know instead of 14 15% of the past for a moment i even and i don't look at any future forecast and i just water down the previous numbers and i say okay not 15% let's say 12% mm. let us say that you know nominal gdp eps all the calculations put together let me say 12% so what it means is that equity should double your money in 6 years uh, going forward theoretically if i if i assume 12% what people should keep in mind is that that 12% is definitely better than fixed income it's it's going to be def- definitely better than any deposit or anything but the challenge is that when you say that money should double in 6 years which 2 years will be fabulous which 2 years will be disastrous and which 2 years will be actually a blowout or average or whatever that is very difficult to forecast so what people should keep in mind ideally is that when you say that equity is for long term like 5 years 6 years whatever it is then don't don't um, uh, have the urge to make judgments uh, in the first one year or the first two years 
the biggest challenge right now is that you know when the markets are booming and returns are great when when people sign up uh, they sign the check everybody is a long term investor <laughs> but one year down the line yeah, yeah. Uh, the long term is out of the window yeah uh, the other thing which i realized is that and my learning which you should never do in the stock markets people are always in a uh, in a hurry to decide what is right and what is wrong acha okay yeah so you know let us say when you are investing you are a long term investor yeah. everything looks good Uh, but at the end of one year if your return is less than fd or if your return is minus 10 or something then you are in this very big urge to make a pronouncement right there that this is wrong <laughs> this fund is wrong this manager is wrong this stock is wrong the market is wrong the government is wrong <laughs> and my learning is that in the markets uh, there is no right or wrong there is only context and there is only perspective so the first rule for uh, being an equity investor if you really want to materialize whatever folklore you have heard about the first rule is never to draw conclusions and you know uh, stick to what you came with mm. uh, in your mind and only then you'll be able to actualize it in a 5 year journey if you're prone to making an, uh, prone to making conclusions in the first 20% leg of the journey mm. uh, then i don't think uh, you are going to materialize anything actually if you yeah. ask me Okay, last question on the show is I I actually want to end this on a positive note, okay? Because I just a few days ago I tweeted that my two years ago I there's an SIP that I have. Big cap SIP. Ah, that's what I said. That uh, thankfully my capital is the same. <laughs> Whatever I mean, I won't get into what fund and all that. How bad is bad? Where are we right now? Okay, and you know I someone I you guys will. Uh, Agree and you, know, you have a huge following on Twitter. I also get frustrated, but yeah, but I hope that all of the, all the all your I hope all your followers yeah. appreciate sarcasm <laughs> and they can understand the understand when you are being sarcastic. Yeah. I can understand you are being sarcastic. I need to put a sarcasm <laughs> font there. I have it, but I need. I have started to slowly add, you know, a slash s to say that okay, this is a sarcastic tweet. But yeah, come on, this is you know, honestly, as guys who are at, at the mutual fund side, I am an investor. It's simple. When times are bad, you're supposed to just either invest more. Or just stick to the process. Yeah. So I'll tell you something hmm. even more. Uh, what I realize is that you know, at the drop of a hat, people say things like you know, be greedy when others are fearful, and be fearful when <laughs> others are greedy. Buffet ne bola hai sir. Ha to that's not meant only for forwarding to each other and putting you know nice quotes in your offices, right? Yeah. That's meant to be practiced. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So yeah. So it just you know, let's 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 end on a very positive note. Where are we right now? I remember that we, were, you know, on the banking episode, you spoke about how if the PSU banks were to provision everything, they would, you know. So just let's just put this into a big picture perspective and wrap this show up on a positive note. Where, how bad is it? What are we looking at? So generally, big picture can get very big. So just to <laughs> okay. keep the big picture a little short, is uh, you know, uh, are things bad? Answer is yes. Have things got extended and overextended over the last ten years? Answer is yes. But the fact is, over the last ten years, honestly, we've seen a lot as a country, a lot, mm. absolutely a lot, and more so in the global context, even more so, and which has just gone to make us absolutely even more solid. My my view, personal views, but you know, one measure if you want to just look at is at the end of the day when you look at the health, we talk about growth rates and all, and all that is fine. But at the end of the day, it's the you know any company if you are if you are a businessman today. all that matters to you is what is my profit margin profit margin is one of the amongst many but one of the more simpler ways of concluding how bad is bad um and if you look at the profit margin of gdp which is uh, calculated by profits to gdp the corporate profits to gdp we are today at 
8% of GDP is our profit margin at a country level. Uh, this number was last achieved in 2013 or 2003. Mm. Mm. So wow. we are almost 15 years behind now. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now the good part. So this was the bad part. Now the good part is that in 2008, we went to as high as 5.5%. Almost so twice that. Almost twice that. Yeah. Now the point is, can we get there? Our view is a resounding yes. In fact, if all goes well, over the next 10 to 15 years, we may even set a new higher benchmark mm. than 5.5%. Possible. And that is what was the concept of earning multiplier, which I alluded to before. That the real GDP growth goes above a particular threshold. Your velocity on earnings is a multiplier. Mm. Mm. And there will be a phase over the next 10 years, there will be a 2-3 year phase when you will see actually earnings grow at 30%, 35%, 40%. And mm. that's what creates the maximum wealth. Now, the problem is we are busy answering when. But the problem is, actually the easier way to deal with a problem like that is don't ask when. Mm. Just mm. believe it will happen over the next five to seven years mm. and stay invested through the course because when it will come, it will come like a tsunami and it will be the most roaring bull run that we would have seen. That's a really positive note. Ashish, equity is right, mutual funds are right. All of this has been told to us. I think now... We are at what, 2.5 crore SIP is about 3,000 rupees each per month. So the tap is about 8,000 crore per yes, month. Yes, yes, yes. So there are still a, a lot of believers. Yes. Uh, on the ground, I've heard people are saying that there is a fatigue. People are continue or not. What we just said uh, a while ago was so on the point that when you have a 5 year return of 15%, it doesn't mean every year you'll have 15%. Of course, yeah. Some days it'll be up, some days it'll be down. How should investors ideally treat this period that we are going through to get set for the period that Shri is talking about. Yeah, so in fact, uh, you know, numbers can be very interesting the way you cut it. Uh, you just look at it this way that, uh, you know, some of the funds that we manage, the five-year CAGR is double digit. Hmm. And the last two-year CAGR will be practically next to nothing, a wow. low single digit. So what does it mean? It means that for a guy who actually remained invested for five years, at the end of five years, he still has, you know, a respectable number. But that five-year number is delivered after delivering nothing in the last two years. So a guy who started two years back, he's unhappy. But he also should keep in mind that how his five-year journey might actually... So there are times when returns are front-ended and there are times when returns are back-ended. And it's only important that, like I said before, that you, know, you stick to plans. Also keep in mind that, you know, in any five-year time frame or six-year time frame, if you expect that money should be doubled and you realize that, okay, if you're a smart cookie, you realize that the first two years nothing has happened, it means your return is going to be back-ended. That, actually, it means you should be doubling your bets yeah. or you should be at least increasing your commitment. So I think there are ways to think about these things. And, you know, it's not for no reason that we say that when the going gets tough, the tough get going because that's when the intelligent people make more money. Great. So I hope that all the listeners on the show are intelligent enough, I'm sure they are, to make more money in the long term using this episode as a nice framework to be prepared because that's how equity returns are. Just stay in for the long term. That's been the focus of our episode so far on the Equity Sahaya podcast. This is a wrap on the Investor's Playbook by guests. Today, Shailunkar, Senior VP at Motilal Loswal Asset Management Company and the bonus guest, Ashish Somaya, CEO at Motilal Loswal Asset Management Company. Thank you so much, Ashish. Thank you so much, Shrey, for joining us on the show. Thanks for having us.
advertising is dead. Yep, you heard me right. Advertising is dead. We're all in the content business now. Let's not call it news, TV, radio, etc., etc. It's all content, and we're in the middle of this weirdly exciting phase where all the borders and lines that have been drawn over decades has been swept away by this lovely thing called the internet. We're a show where we don't dwell on just the stuff that is now, but rather the wider stuff about advertising, media, content, and the whole goddamn circus surrounding it. Tune in every Tuesday for our weekly unboxing of the mystery box we used to call advertising. I'm Varun Dugirala, co-founder and content chief at The Glitch, and this is my new podcast, Advertising is Dead. Hi, I'm Satyajit. Hi, I'm Racheta. We are from the Open Library Project, and we host a podcast called Paperback. Paperback is a podcast where we engage with stalwarts and experts from various industries, suggesting non-fiction titles that contributed to their journey in a big way. We've had guests like Anjali Rana, Dr. Marcus Rani, Dr. Swati Loda, Ambi Parmeswaran, Apurva Damani, and many more on our show Paperback. Find new episodes every Wednesday on IVM Podcast app, website, or wherever you listen to podcasts.